Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, it's Xbox's turn for a showcase. Star Trek takes center stage at Comic-Con and the ever-shifting strategies for movies. All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, The Lakers Fast Break, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please, 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 please send us out that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Or, speaking of stars... Whenever we're doing some Facebook streaming or anything game-related, whether it's the Dungeons & Dragons or whether it's right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos, please, if you can, send us out those stars. So if you send us any stars or you like, follow, share, whatever you can do to help support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, it is truly appreciated. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. It's our own Mega Cat who's kind of excited but he's also from Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com. Also check out what he's doing with his great podcast, Topicocalypse, and the Super BS Gamescast, plus his book, Congratulations, You Suck. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? Hey, not much, man. I'm I'm kind of excited, kind of not. You know, uh, we'll we'll talk about some things here in a minute, but uh, just happy to be here. You know, as always, I am happy to be here as well, and we truly appreciate everyone listening and watching us on Facebook Live, YouTube. If you're listening to us on any of the radio stations that are around the world, want to give a big heads up to one of our newest stations, Ambron Radio. Also, as well, Raw Talk Online giving them some love. Thank you so much for supporting us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Cannot thank you enough for doing so. Plus also everyone that listens to us around the world. Thank you so much on radio and also on all of our podcast outlets. We cannot thank you enough for supporting us. Just wanted to go ahead and run down what we're going to be doing up here on this episode of the PCC Multiverse. Got the Xbox Series X showcase that just came out. And we'll go ahead and elaborate whether we liked it or whether we didn't like it. We're going to go ahead and go into detail on that here in a sec. Plus also as well, Star Trek made an impression at Comic-Con with an announcement of a new series of a different kind. 
we'll go ahead and talk about the Star Trek series real quick. And if it's going in the direction that we would like it to go in, as far as it, as it continues on its TV trek to a galaxy unknown. Plus also as well, we're going to really quickly mention what's going on in the world of movies and release dates with Bill and Ted 3 and Tenet. And James Deegan from Mega Cat Studios, I got him over on the back half hour coming on talking about all the great stuff that he's doing at Mega Cat Studios and all the games that he's got coming out or that have just been released to either the modern consoles or the retro consoles like the Nintendo, the Sega Genesis, and the Mega Drive as well. But my friend, it's a console of a different kind that was showcased earlier today as we're recording this, and that was the Xbox Series X was on full display as far as the power and you can see all the nice shiny games that are coming out very soon in the not-too-distant future. Well, at least we hope so but some I know are already not going to be there at the time of launch. But it is the Xbox Series X showcase. Some of the games that were announced and shown off, games like a new Forza, shock upon all shocks, a new Forza is coming out. What do you know? New Fable game, which I know a lot of people are excited about. As Dust Falls, a nice interactive, uh, sort of really different looking cel-shaded cartoonish but with a serious serious dramatic side to it that one really looks very interesting state of decay 3 it's been a very big hit for xbox so far so they're coming out with state of decay 3 crossfire x which i believe is a port uh, that is coming over as well with a xbox series x upgrade and boost the medium everwild grounded all great games they look very nice look very interesting and Halo Infinite had a ton of minutes out there, actually a few minutes out there that they showed off and showcased as far as new gameplay is concerned. I personally liked the best Avowed, which has a very Oblivion-esque type look and feel. I'm going to be honest with you, my friend. Everything looked nice and shiny. Everything looked nice and glossy. It looked a little bit better than what the PlayStation 5 had to offer as far as the shiny games maybe the textures were popping a little bit better just for me on the xbox series x games than the playstation 5 games were shown off but the lack of games that were shown off period kind of has me disappointed overall yeah honestly man it's been such a weird year for video games you know we we alleged you know allegedly we still have cyberpunk and assassin's creed coming out here but like you know playstation had a, a similar you know, I'm similarly disappointed with Xbox as I am with PlayStation, but still I got, you know, I'm a little excited about it. And also like Nintendo did their little mini direct and like their big game was um, what the Tensai Shin, I forget what the name of the game is called, but you know, it's just that there's not really, I, I'm curious if a lot of these companies are keeping things close to their chest because of the COVID thing. Like they don't know when these games are going to be able to come out, but you know, I yeah, I, it was cool to see Halo Infinite. It was cool to see uh, the announcement of a new Fable and Forza. But yeah, a lot of these games they showed were kind of like, you know, they made you wonder, uh, is is this is this the biggest thing that they have coming out? Because I don't know if you noticed this, but a lot of the games that Xbox showed, they have very, it doesn't really look like they're utilizing the capabilities of the new console they keep bragging about. It's not, it's they're very like cartoony and animated. And they're not really highlighting, like, it looks like something that could be played on the Xbox One. 
Uh, again, it, it, they were look nice looking games. They were very nice looking games, but it was just the fact that there weren't enough. Plus, like I said, it's just seemingly that they're a step behind what PlayStation has to offer. When PlayStation debuted over thirty games, and they were right around the single digits to double digits, you know, hovering around ten. That's not a good ratio, my friend. Obviously, some of these PlayStation games on PlayStation 5 that will be coming to it will be going on both systems, and that's understandable. But it just seemed to me that the PlayStation press conference was a little bit better prepared than what Xbox had to offer. And I think at this point in time, I can clearly say that PlayStation won this first round as far as first initial impressions are concerned. Well, not with me, though, because what I think Xbox did a better job in like actually saying, hey, this is a console launch title. Like this is something we have a sort of window, whereas PlayStation didn't give us any windows, no release dates. You know, they showed a lot of games on the PlayStation, but they didn't show us anything that we're going to be playing soon. And I think that's where Microsoft did a better job than PlayStation did, Um, though not a, a lot better than what PlayStation did. But. I don't know. I'm, I've been reading a lot of headlines already with like there's Kotaku and Polygon. They're all attacking Xbox and for like little things, how they didn't address like backwards compatibility. Then they're saying, oh, it's not going to have Xbox One support anymore. They didn't talk about that. They didn't say they weren't going to have it. It's just, I don't know. It's kind of petty the way a lot of these journalists kind of jump to conclusions. But, you know, I, I, I can get why people would like play the PlayStation conference better. I also get why people would like the Xbox One better. I like the Xbox One better, but that's just because I have more uh, love for some of the games that they showed at the Xbox conference as opposed to the Sony conference. For example, really love the Halo Infinite footage. You know, love the Master Chief's uh, grappling hook. Like, that was that was rad. And, um, you know, it's just that I was disappointed they didn't show another trailer for hellblade and there's some other things like i don't know why they would show warhammer like that's kind of a game that not there's not a lot of like xbox you know fandom for that one avowed looks cool and is from what i understand it's part of the pillars of eternity franchise but yeah man i don't know like state of decay 3 i'm not like super stoked on I don't, do you want to talk about some of these games there they showed uh, again i i want to go back to avowed because that was the one that was i'm like ah that looks like a a successor to Oblivion I could really get into. and Because yeah. I, I've said before, Skyrim, I played 30 hours and I got stuck in a bug and I couldn't get back. I still have it on the shelf right here. I'm just not going, I haven't gone back to it. I may go back to it, but I'm just, it didn't hook me like Oblivion did. And this reminded me so much of more about what Oblivion had to offer and the deep content. So if I get an Xbox Series X, it's for that game. Rather, you know, New Forza, you know, New Forza always comes out with a new system, man. I mean, it's, they're the type of games that can actually will just showcase a new system and how good the graphics are and the res, the colors, the shading, all the nine yards. Those racing games do it the best. So, of course, a New Forza was coming out. A New Fable was very interesting. So, and something that was rumored to be worked on and to be working on. So I want to hear your thoughts on a new fable on the way. Could it be something that we could really get back into as a series, or is it just too many years gone by? No, I think that it is something we everyone will get back into. I think even new players will get into because that's the, the great thing about fable is that it's much like the Final Fantasy games. It's all a standalone 
game. You know, that you, there's nothing that feeds into the next game. You know, granted, in like Fable 2 and 3, they reference like the heroes of old and they're talking about your character and obviously like what you did in that game. They talk about that a little bit, but it's not, uh, they're like, these games are like hundreds of years apart from each other. So, yeah, no, I definitely think, especially if it's just being called Fable, yeah, it, you know, much like God of War, like it feels like it's going to be a new beginning. What worries me about the Fable trailer, though, is that there is no gameplay, you know, and if there's no gameplay, it leads me to believe it's going to be 20, what, 2022 at the earliest before we get our hands on this game. Yep. And uh, it feels much like the, the uh, was it, the Elder Scrolls 6 trailer they showed at E3 last year where they're like, hey, we're, you know, we're not like actively working on this. We're kind of working on it. Here's a little video of some sky and stuff and you can kind of make your own assumptions on it that's just like this, this one was like. just that cute animation of the fairy getting eaten up yeah, by the, the frog fairy. and that was yeah it was a funny trailer but yeah i just i i don't have any hope for seeing it soon hey this is chad from ghost toasters and you're listening to pop culture cosmos podcast hey lakers fans looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news information original videos articles podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers will look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. I do want to go back to Avowed. Like Avowed does, you know, I'm realizing with Ghost of Tsushima as I'm playing through it is that I like it, but I find myself more pulled into games that have fantasy elements to them. Like Ghost of Tsushima is cool, but it's all, it's all like historical. You know, there's no magic or anything like that in the game. And I'm having a hard time like wanting to sit down for hours at a time and playing this game. Whereas a game like Elder Scrolls or Final Fantasy or even like looking at, um you know avowed like stuff like that this, that has like fantasy and magic and stuff like that i'm more it's more appealing to me and so yes i am excited about avowed and it kind of seems like a good place if you are a fan of pillars of eternity even if you're not like this feels like a good jumping on point for that because my hope is going to be that's not like a top-down game it's a first person well avowed um, looks like game. it's a first person shooter it looked oblivious. yeah yeah i mean that's why i'm interested yeah. in it but it, that's an Xbox exclusive uh, among the others that were announced. There were like five Xbox exclusive, not counting Halo Infinite, that were right. very that were introduced. As Dust Falls looks like it's going to be a very gripping type of story. I like to see that uh, how that plays out. Uh, State of Decay three, like you said, is just more State of Decay on a, maybe a shinier, fancier version, maybe a little bit larger platform. I know everybody is talking about the graphics for Halo Infinite not being mind-bendingly wow. It's just, they looked good, but it didn't look, you know, just tremendous. It looked kind of shiny. It looked, the colors popped, but to me, it just looked more like, you know, more than I've, you know, something I've seen before when it comes to the Halo universe. The gameplay looked pretty good. You mentioned the grappling hook and all that. I think it's something that a lot of people hopefully will enjoy I know a lot of people are talking about the open world aspects of the new Halo Infinite universe that hopefully will be upcoming with the game. So I'm looking forward to that aspect of it and maybe exploring it from there. 
Yeah, okay, so here's my thoughts on the Halo trailer. Like, it looks a lot better. It looks a lot better than Halo 5. That's just aesthetically. It just, it looks like it's a lot easier to look at, you know? And I like the idea of us <clears throat> being outside, being on the ring again. Like, that is exciting to me. I don't know how I feel about using the Banished because they were the villains in Halo Wars 2. And in, a lot of people don't play, you know, the Halo Wars games at least not as many who plays like the, the mainline Halo series. So I don't know if it's a good idea using them as bad guys. But what confuses me is that they have, um, you know, Atriox, I forget what his name is. He, he's sitting there talking about how he's teaming up with, with I guess, Cortana or whatever it is. Like, I, I don't understand the story, you know, and that's like what is what's confusing because it, it shows like it's been what, 25 years since humans fell or something like that. And uh, they keep talking about, like, the death of the UNSC. Like, what happened in that time? If they don't address that, then it's going to just be another narrative nightmare like Halo 5 was. Can I ask and, you, you know, a question? The, well, let me ask you a question. Yeah, please. He was speaking English. I, was that, that the case? Was he supposed to have, like, a translator or something? I remember that in the other games previously, they no. were supposed to have translators. Yeah, I mean, they, some some of the brutes sp spoke English, some didn't. You know, it's the same thing with the uh, the grunts, right? Like they had their own language, but then they kind of some of them spoke in it. Some of them you can hear me like grenade and stuff like that. So it's I, I don't really I don't I mean as far as like continuity goes with that kind of stuff, I I have to go back and play the other games just to get my roots down again. But and then you talked about Cortana. Cortana was delving into a period where she was going into madness and sacrificed herself in yeah. Halo 5 Guardians. So. Yeah, so what's going on with that? You know, they haven't really addressed it. Cortana has had no presence in any of the trailers, any of the trailers, any of the artwork. Do you, do you smell that? I smell prequel book coming. I Well, there, yeah, I saw there is a, there is a prequel book coming. But, I mean, if they don't... It's kind of like how they address the death of um, what's his name, the the forerunner, the main forerunner you were fighting in the other games. They address his death in a book instead of the actual game. Like there's so much in continuity here, and it just it drives me crazy. Plus the advent of a, you, uh, the addition of another Halo. Is this another Halo? Is this the original the Halo? Addition of another Halo. So I'm yeah, and I'm I'm hopeful that they will go back and they will explain all this stuff. You know, like the the forerunners. I really like the idea of being able to fight the forerunners, seeing the forerunners. Like they just they they're like, hey, we have this idea, we're gonna show you this, and then it's just gone. You know, and that that's one of the things that has really agitated me. So I hope that with Halo Infinite, it's kind of a new start. Don't mess this up. You know, just don't don't mess it up. Don't make us assume. Just just tell us what's there. I don't know. We, I don't want to read the book. Just tell me what happened. I do like the open world aspect. I like like being able to go to different places. You're not just stuck on one linear path. I would hope that there is some remnant that ties Halo Infinite together with Halo 4, but you know, we'll see what happens, man. Uh, I am excited about it. I do want to play it. It does look good, but I said the same thing about Halo 5 and was incredibly disappointed by it. Here we go again. We go again, but it is Halo yeah. Infinite. Uh, about ten minutes of the game was shown off. I'm actually showing right now, as on to viewers out there of Facebook Live, they're going to go ahead and seeing the YouTube video of the official Xbox Game Showcase. You're seeing some of the highlights right here. Uh, let me go ahead and see if I'm 
you know, give you some of the action. There's Halo Infinite right there for you. So before we go ahead and close out our conversation on this Xbox Series X with our final thoughts on it, at least the initial impressions per se, uh, I know there were some other games like the Medium and some other games that you wanted to go ahead and talk about real briefly before we head on out. Yeah, so Rare's new game, Everwild, actually looks pretty cool. They didn't show us any really much gameplay or what the game's going to look like. They kind of showed more story trailer, but it does look good. I've always kind of liked the Rare animation style, and this, you know, it kind of does have the same color palettes as Sea of Thieves. I am curious. I want to know more about the game, but it does look kind of interesting. And the other one I, I am interested in is the medium. I know that this was this game was shown before, and it uh, they they didn't really like go into detail about a lot of the mechanics. But I do love the uh, you know being able to switch playing the the dual view of the nightmare world versus the real world. Like it it looks truly terrifying, and I am incredibly interested in this game. Then again, though, you know, these horror survival games are really just hit and miss. Like, there's no, pardon the pun, there's no medium between them. So hopefully it's on, it's good. You know, we'll see. We will see, indeed. But overall, your thoughts on the Xbox Series X showcase, and you're saying you enjoyed it. You say you give it a little bit, a slight edge over the PlayStation Right now, if you're going to go ahead and decide between the two, I have a feeling as the Xbox fanboy of us, you're going to go ahead and choose the Xbox side. Yes, because it has a game I want to play at launch. You know, if PlayStation had something I want to play at launch, I might pick that one, but we don't know anything about what the launch titles are. It was okay. It was disappointing in its own rights. You know, I, I, I wanted to see Hellblade. They didn't make any announcements about Gears Tactics on console. There was no Gears of War, period. You know, I do like how they are going to be upgrading for free a lot of the older games, you know, Gears 4 and stuff like that. So I, I think that they they are one up in that category. But I think PlayStation just, they weren't being vague about it. They just didn't address a lot of this stuff. So it's possible that they could be doing the same thing. I don't know. But as of right now, I am just like maybe a couple meters above PlayStation when it comes to Xbox. And for you, were you also disappointed that you didn't get really any definitive thing as far as release in- information is concerned? Okay, yes, that was my next thing. Is like, why? Remember when the Xbox One came out? They had we knew when it was coming out in April, and I think PlayStation had done a month before that or a month after that. I know they were a month apart, but with this, like, PlayStation has not announced a release date. Xbox has not announced a release date. They keep saying holiday, holiday, but I mean. When, you know, when are these pre-orders going to go live? Do they even know how many consoles are going to have available? Like there's so many unanswered questions here and it like, it is concerning. Yeah. I mean, like I would like information and they're just, they're purposely not giving it. And I don't understand what the strategy is behind that. And then you also have like that there's still no price listed. That's kind of a bummer as well. No price. Yeah. No price at all. You know, and I know PlayStation said they're doubling their production we haven't even heard anything about what's going on with the Xbox's production. So I, I don't know. I don't know anything about this, man. It's crazy. With me, I'm going to give right now the edge to PlayStation. I thought the fact that they had a, a sheer, substantially higher number of quality games that they showcased that I was interested in over the minimal amount of games that were shown off by Xbox. And I'm saying that when you got roughly 10-ish to roughly 30-ish, games that were showcased that's kind of disappointing 
you need to see more and that's great that a lot of these games are going to get the xbox series x free rub and get that those free upgrades to to the next level but i need to see more from xbox as someone who is not a playstation fanboy and someone who is not an xbox fanboy who has had both systems and i would love to personally see a definitive winner but right now for me i'm leaning a little bit playstation but Xbox is still not out of the realm yet because they're, you know, what they did offer looks pretty good. Looks looks a little better. Looks a little sharper. Looks a little bit of fancier. Looks a little bit more color generated. Things popped a little bit better than they did on the PlayStation Five as far as what was shown off. But the sheer amount of games and the selection has PlayStation Five a little bit ahead for me. So that's what I think. That's what you think of what's going on right now in this next generation console future war that hopefully will be happening this holiday. We don't know exactly when. We don't know exactly the price because that's the next step for each as far as the dates on when both are being available to consumers and also what price. And that I think is going to be a big key is the when and the how much of what's going on for the next generation will play a key factor going forward. What are your thoughts out there on the Xbox Series X showcase? We'd love to hear your thoughts. We just want to know exactly what games of this Xbox Series X showcase were you really interested in? How is Halo Infinite meeting up or not meeting up to your expectations? Are you excited about a new Forza on the way? A new Fable coming out one day? Hopefully in the near future. We don't quite know. As does Fall, State of Decay 3, the whole list of games that were there. Did you think it was better than PlayStation 5's presentation, or are you leaning towards PlayStation at this point in time? We just want to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com, plus also as well PopCultureCosmos, Humanic Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. And yes, PopCultureCosmos is on TikTok too, so you can TikTok us all day long at PopCultureCosmos. My friend... Before we hit the half hour, I just wanted to go ahead and, and just break down some stuff that went on at Comic-Con so far. On our Monday show, we're going to have an even larger breakdown of what happened at Comic-Con. But right now, I wanted to go ahead and touch on Star Trek real quick. I mean, because they've got, they, they were there, their panel at Comic-Con talking about a lot of great things coming up, of course, with their current shows. But by the end of next year, my friend, they're going to have not one, not two, not three, but five shows that they're going to be producing with the Star Trek name because Star Trek Prodigy for Nickelodeon, which is going to be an animated show geared for children, heading to Nickelodeon, I believe, next year. So I want to hear your thoughts. Again, it's going to be Discovery, Picard, Star Trek Lower Decks, the show that's coming out that's based off of characters that were in Discovery, like Spock and two or three others that we're familiar with from the Star Trek universe, and also as well Star Trek Prodigy that's coming to Nickelodeon. I want to hear your thoughts on that, my friend. The Star Trek universe, is it being stretched too thin as far as television? And why isn't there a movie being talked about as well? Uh, you know, as for the movie, I think the Chris Pine films are still kind of fresh on people's minds. You know, as for the other ones, I can't really speak about Star Trek. I, I, I'm not a fan, you know, like I'll, I'll watch them, but I'm not like stoked on them like you are. What it sounds like to me, though, is it sounds like they are kind of overdoing it a little bit, you know, and having there's there's how much Star Trek is too much Star Trek. I think the 
success of Picard is actually creating, you know, making them see like, let's throw 10 eggs into one basket. It's like when, uh, when Game of Thrones was popular, right? And HBO was like, we have six spinoff series in development right now. Like it's it just how much is too much, you know? And like our, as far as like a kid's version of Star Trek, I think that could be a good idea. But I mean, I don't know if we need all of these Star Trek shows. Are you as as the pop culture cosmos resident Star Trek fan, are you excited about this? Eh, well, the Star Trek prodigy is not meant for you and I. That's meant to go ahead and be for an animated show for children. I'm hoping they will use it as an educational tool for expansion of the stars, you know, getting people into astronomy, talking about those issues. And if that's the case as an educational tool for kids, by all means. I hope it's a big hit for Nickelodeon. But Nickelodeon... When it gets behind a kid show, it will get behind a kid show. But if it doesn't, like uh, shows like Yo Gabba Gabba, when the Wiggles were there, I really didn't see the kind of love that I thought I thought I would see from them on that. But yeah, it, it, when they really get behind a show, they will really get behind a show. And I'm hoping that that's going to be the case for Star Trek Discovery. As for the show that's going to feature Spock, Captain Pike, and number one, I, I'm kind of interested in it kind of not i just think that they were very good characters within the confines of star trek discovery i think they were very uh, did very well in their roles there and i think that cbs and viacom and and paramount they saw wow okay they really did well so we're going to go ahead and give them their own series i don't think it was planned but my gosh it's planned now with Picard, that came out, and I think, like a lot of other people, I think that it's break-even as best for me as far as results. Yeah, I don't know. They're stretching themselves thin. I think they need to reutilize some of those resources towards a movie, but it just shows me right now that they have zero confidence in a movie, but they have all the confidence in the world in their TV shows, and they're going to go ahead and try and run with it as best they can. Yeah, well, honestly, you know, as far as the movie's concerned, at this point, in time it makes sense you know it makes sense with the uncertainty of movie theaters which i'm sure we'll get to in a minute but it just it makes sense to like put your eggs in the streaming basket instead of the feature film basket you know and i i'm maybe when covid clears up we will see a star trek movie but now like it seems like streaming is the safer bet as opposed to a a theatrical release well i definitely want to go ahead and Check out a lot of the Star Trek universe that's coming on the way for television viewers in the not-too-distant future. But, yeah, Star Trek is going to be something that we're going to see if it works all these shows next year. I mean, fans next year, they're going to get their fill of Star Trek. What are your thoughts about Star Trek at Comic-Con? We'd love to hear your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. And remember, on Monday's show, we will be breaking down a lot more of Comic-Con a lot of the trailers and the fact there's some coming out as we're speaking we're going to talk more about coming up on monday show the pop culture cosmos coming up next we've got james deegan from mega cat studios talking about his great retro games that he's got available now and on the way for you as consumers and gamers out there going back a little bit of retro right after the break this is the pcc multiverse 
Coming soon, Zero Cool Films presents Action Figure Adventure. Super collector Jay Bartlett hits the road once again in search of action figures, most iconic and noteworthy and rare figures, all in the name of creating the most ultimate action figure auction ever. He fronts the cash that charity benefits in the end. What will he get, how will he get it, and how well will he do? Find out November 1st, 2020. All right, and we're back with the program. It's Gerald coming right back at you here from the Pop Culture Cosmos. I want to thank you so much for listening and also watching us worldwide on Facebook Live and YouTube. Cannot thank you enough for doing so. I want to go ahead and talk to one of these great developers that are out there in the video game world. In fact, someone who has a very old school feel. Because if you haven't checked out their games, you should. Because especially with all the craze that's you know that we're actually going through right now when it comes to retro and people's interests in retro gaming and if you haven't checked out mega cat studios at megacatstudios.com and the games that they have upcoming or are you're out right now you got to go ahead and check out what they're doing today at megacatstudios.com in fact they've got so many games right now that you can go ahead and get or that are on the way first off they've got great games like coffee crisis which i've played on the Nintendo Switch and is also available on the Xbox, PlayStation 4, Steam, and just so many different outlets right there for you, including even consoles, old school retro consoles right there for you. I played it and had a great time doing it. Phantom Gear is also available on old school retro gaming and right there for you. It's all right there on the screen. And of course, they've got a new one coming up very soon called Bite the Bullet. Cannot wait to go ahead and check that one out. That's Bite the Bullet, and that's coming to Steam, Switch, PlayStation 4, and Xbox. Plus, they've also got also as well coming out on the Retro Genesis cartridges. In fact, it's available already that you can get on the old school Genesis. That's right, 16-bit and all that. They've got Yazzie, Gloof, and I'm going to say this right, Arcagus Revolution. I hope I said that right. But, you got it. All right. Arcadius Revolution. So you got to check out their great lineup of games at Mega Cat Studios. And here with me today to talk about it and why he loves old school gaming and why Mega Cat loves old school gaming is James Deegan. And James, thank you for taking this some time to speak to me today. Thanks for having us. Wow. You've got quite the lineup coming out and quite the lineup that's just been recently released that people have got to check out, especially if they're into old school gaming. I mean, that seems to be where you guys are, are really just paying a great attention to, not necessarily because of cost, not necessarily because of, of any other factors like that, but just seems like there's a heavy influence of retro gaming. And that's where I see with you guys that, that I think the direction that you guys are taking. Yeah, I mean, for, for most of our team, that was the era of gaming that we grew up with that inspired us to eventually kind of end up in this in this game development world. So it's it's definitely something we do first and foremost because we love it. We try to really emphasize the fun for fun sake piece of any game we work on. And I think that's that's pretty obvious whenever you're making your games for cartridge-based consoles. <laughs> Absolutely. In fact, you've got what? Games not only out available for modern systems, like we we're talking about Steam, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and of course, the Nintendo Switch, which again, I have played Coffee Crisis on and had a great time playing. Highly recommended. You not only make games for 16-bit, like we're talking about just now, for the games that you got that are now available for the Sega Genesis and the Mega Drive, but also even old-school 8-bit. I'm showing right now on the screen 8-bit games that you have available, like Creepy Brawlers, for the 8-bit Nintendo systems. 
yeah creepy brawlers is a, a favorite for us it actually is one of the one of the games that we eventually released on nintendo switch as well uh but it, it always started on the on the nes my uh, gosh and you got the quite the lineup of either recently released games upcoming releases you guys pretty i'm to say right now your company from what i'm seeing and the press releases i continually get you're always working on something new oh yeah we're busy we're at it i mean we uh we're really coming up to an exciting time for Megacat because a lot of the projects we've been nurturing the last few years are coming to the end of development. So there's a whole lot of cool stuff up ahead. And, you know, some of these cartridge-based games have been three, four, five years of work. Oh, my goodness. So it's, a, so it's definitely a, it feels so nice and satisfying to watch them leave the building and go into other people's consoles and see people enjoying them. And that's, I'm sure, the ultimate satisfaction because you guys get so much great feedback, I'm sure, from consumers out there, gamers, whether they're young or they're old. How fascinating for you is it to get all that type of feedback that's so positive in regards to your games from, from gamers that you didn't even know would even try these games? Yeah, it's the best. Uh, there's there's a group chat we have on our Slack channel where yeah. all the team members are in where we share all those types of messages from Discord and uh, lots of messages through our customer contact form or through our kind of automated thank you for purchasing. Uh, I think it really comes down to the retro gaming is a very personal and very nostalgic for a lot of people. And that, that tends to resonate with them more. And they, they feel so, I want to say, even closer to the projects when they're able to send a note to the developer and thank them for working on something that brought their day up a notch. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm checking out right now, and, and so is everybody else on Facebook Live and YouTube, the display and the little video snippets of log jammers of all the great different games that you have right now. It's just, it's really so cool how you're embracing this retro feel with all these side scrollers and all these different games, the puzzle games, which you t we haven't even started on that. I mean, you've got so many, a wide range of variety as far as what's coming out and what is out already. I mean, we're talking about the stuff that you just recently put out for the Genesis and includes what, Gloof, the puzzle platformer? Tell me a little bit about that and why you think that's going to really stick with people. Well, it's the world's first Tesla frog, which, which had to be done. And we were happy to help bring it out to the masses. One of our, our good friends, uh, Dennis Gratchev, worked on the the game gameplay itself the arts uh he, he's incredible super talented guy uh you know it's it's something we consider hyper casual which is hyper casual with a cat so it's a game that anyone can pick up wow intuitive controls and sit down and have the challenge and difficulty of uh, natural puzzle progression with uh, the ease of getting started that doesn't require a 30 minute tutorial or really deep mechanics, no finger karate, no uh, multiple button moves, just lots of thoughtful, replayable, interesting design with cool feel and graphic sound chiptune that creates that full immersive classic experience. How influential are games like Tetris when it comes to a game like that? I mean, that obviously set the bar real high for an early standard for 8 and 16-bit gaming. So Tetris is obviously uh, the, the world's like uh, genre building first retro pillar in that way. You know, there's so many block based puzzle games that yeah. spawn from that. But, you know, I think that puzzles in general became kind of transformational in the 8-bit era where I, I've always loved like the adventures of Lolo games like that. And 
I think that that was the the most iconic single time in, in gaming was that original 8-bit kind of pick it up from the arcades, bring it home and still twist the genres, make new subgenres, find new mechanics and player decisions that stick with you. And I'm, I'm a big Game Boy player. I grew up loving my, my Game Boy and later my Atari Lynx, which is a little bit shameful. But I love the mobile gaming and, you know, Tetris was a, a mainstay there. Oh my gosh. Like you said, it it has that influence for many years to come and so many different variations of the Tetris theme has been redone and redone. But to see something that you're doing with Gloof looks like it's going to take that puzzle retro feel even to a higher level. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, puzzle games might have the... I'm just choosing one as an adult. <laughs> I always have the interest and joy of touching and playing an RPG, but uh, the idea of committing the time that it takes to play like an authentic retro RPG, I think that level of time commitment isn't met by my level of enthusiasm, and the puzzle games separately are something I can pick up and, and spend you know, 45 minutes or two or three hours just fully committed to enjoying and still enjoy it later on playing it again. Yazzy uh, reminds me of platformers that even date back even further than that. I mean, uh, I want I want to even go back as far as the early days with Donkey Kong and obviously when it came to consoles, Pitfall and those type of platforming sequences, just, just some types of influences there. But Yazzy, you know, just the platformer that is from what I've seen, it looks like something that a lot of people can really get into because platforming never seems to die with audiences. Yeah, there's always um, a sweet spot in that 16-bit world where people think of their their pack-in games they had with their consoles, and in many cases, the the Mario's and Sonics are the first games people had and their favorite as well. So I think there, there's something about that uh, exploration of a bigger universe that platforming brings. Uh, so Yazzie is a puzzle platformer, so it's definitely not an expansive uh, platforming universe in that way, but it's it's definitely a uh, a brain teaser, active solving, replayable arcade game. Mm -hmm. And it just seems like something a lot of people are going to enjoy and really get into very easily. It's like something that is going to be some, you know, just the fact that it does remind so many people of what they once did with me. I, I'm in my fifties now. I remember the days when, when Genesis was hot and you had all those different platformers, then you had Super Nintendo, you had Nintendo 64 with their platformers, and you make so many different things on so many different systems, including classic consoles. It's always really nice to go ahead and just see your work evolve, whether it's a game that you're putting on a classic console or a, just a, you know, a brand new one as well. Yeah, I think that uh, you know any game can be fun and in any console, as long as the the game has that core fundamental fun factor built in, it doesn't matter the limitations. Whether it's one of those uh, Playdate handhelds, <laughs> or it's a uh, you know a, a great OLED screen GameCom, I think you can make a great game on any platform. And you know, there's a a really cool time right now where with the right game, anyone could be a gamer. It doesn't matter if you're a grandma playing Candy Crush. Or you're uh, an eight-month-old slapping the screen. It's like there's a <laughs> there's something for everyone of every age and every genre. And so many of us that grew up playing and loving the eight and sixteen-bit era have a lot of cool choices these days. Well, I'll tell you what, you you got so many different games out. 
One that I wasn't as familiar with, which is also part of the recent uh, distribution that you have as far as games coming to these older consoles is Arcadius Revolution. That one I hadn't gotten too much info on. So can you give me up to speed on that one? Because I was able to check out the other games, including Bite the Bullet, which we'll talk about next. But Arcadius Revolution is the one I wanted to learn a little bit more about. Yeah, so so uh, I, I've been calling it Archegis Revolution, but okay. I've heard I've had many of our team members uh, really lean into the Archegis, so I, we're not sure the verdicts the verdicts back on that one. <laughs> Maybe because it's well, I identified it because for me, arcade, arcade, that's probably oh, why. Yeah. But I do like that. I like the I like where it's going in your in your mind. So the, the coolest thing about that game from the top down is if you're if you're familiar with the kind of mode seven super nintendo cool factor this has the genesis plus processing equivalent there's some speed running specific features for replayability that get a lot of folks excited since so much of the active twitch and streaming community for retro really heavily emphasizes speed running so it's nice. a neo-futuristic cyberspace you know uh shmup you're you're running and rotating at a super high speed in a really optimized and interesting environment and it is, um, to give you a little, very small, but a uh, pre-teaser, it's the beginning of a, of a series for people that are fans of that, uh, that kind of like fly, duck, shoot, and dodge genre. Nice, nice. And that's going to fit very well with the rest of the portfolio that you have. And in fact, I'm on megacatstudios.com. Once again, if you get a chance, check out megacatstudios.com. You're really going to be satisfied with all the different games. In fact, I'm showing some video again of log jammers. I'm showing bite the bullet right there for you. And that's one thing I wanted to ask you, bite the bullet. It does have a very, I want to say Contra type <laughs> feel, just has that great shooting influence there. Also like a platform as well. I mean, that even the different variations of that I'm seeing out there, what you're producing at, we talked about even before we went on the show, you're even going ahead and making a limited edition arcade version as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, we were really happy to collaborate with the guys at Artcade about that. So they specialize in those artisan, handmade, limited-run arcade cabinets. And, uh, you know, Bite the Bullet has a lot of exciting things going for it that we're just now starting to announce. We have some really notable celebrity chefs and competitive eaters that helped <laughs> collaborate on the world's first run and gun and eat. So it's a an eating-based run and gun. So instead of simply mowing down your enemies and dashing through uh you have another player decision to make on eating the enemies to absorb crafting material and uh hit points so nice. depending on the the character class you choose and the character classes are also built around this eating universe each character class has a lot of unique skills and abilities that are exclusive to that character archetype so you uh -huh. have your your gorevor he's your kind of carnivore character mm-hmm you have the most heavy metal vegan, the slaughterer of the soil. Uh, we have the omnivore, I see, I eat. And then we have the robovore, which means you eat metal. And, uh, you know, kind of as you're, you're running through these, you know, 50 plus levels of run and gun platforming, uh, there's a lot of world building, uh, side quests, crafting. And it just, I think, really interesting genre bending opportunities to get someone excited about the, the core fun of a metal slug Contra uh, with some modern design attached. It looks great. I cannot tell you enough kudos because it really looks like something a lot of people are going to get into. And the fact that you embrace speed running, 
like not a lot of these other developers out there because you always now see these developers reactions that are holding their head in their hands and saying oh my gosh this is not what i intended our game to do and you're asking for in some of your games for these speedrunners to go ahead and take up the challenge as far as your games are concerned oh yeah i'm a huge fan of the speedrunning community I'm a big, uh, big fan and subscriber of the Speed Gaming channel and some of the content and influencers there. Um, I, I think that's one of the coolest ways to keep retro alive and replayable is challenging yourself to see what you can do and where the limits can be set to. Oh, nice. Absolutely, because the challenge is always there. And like you said, that's a great way to reintroduce these games to an audience is by way of speedrunning and all the people that are watching these speed runs, whether it's on Twitch, whether it's on YouTube, Facebook Live, what have you. So it's always nice to go ahead and, and check that out. It, as long as the developers don't get too mad about it, but it looks like you guys are embracing it over at Mega Cat Studios. Yeah, it really depends on the game. You know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of speed running. So whenever we can do something that, that fits our personal interests of what we want to see in our games in the world and, and fits the release strategy of our other partners and friends involved with the project, we always try to make a space for that. If people are interested, obviously they can get more information from Mega Cat Studios on all the different console versions and things that are going to be taking place when this game comes out. But the arcade version, if somebody wants to go ahead and, and, and ask or inquire about it because of the fact that it is a limited supply on that, where do they need to turn to? So it's going to be live next week on megacatstudios.com on the homepage. We have about a dozen earmarked for some notable arcades that had reached out after seeing some of the press it picked up. And the rest are there for super fans that want to upgrade their game room with a run and gun and eat. I can't wait to see that. Again, I got to see a picture in the not too distant past of it, and it just looks like it's really going to be a sweet deal. People are going to say, I got to throw something in there. Throw it in. No, no, just leave it alone. It looks good as <laughs> is. I'll tell you what, before we go on, I, I want to go ahead and make sure you go and say that if there's any other games you want to go ahead and plug, whether it's Coffee Crisis, again, which I have played and I have enjoyed, Phantom Gear, or some of the licensed games that you've done with partners like Monopoly, Power Rangers, and Scrabble. The floor is yours. Just tell people why people need to check out all the great stuff that you have at Mega Cat Studios. I'd say anyone who loves games and wants to dabble, consider checking out our Discord. We always have active beta testing there for some of our games. Try them, check them out, touch them early and let your voice be heard and have an impact on how the game is made. Before you head on out, you want to go ahead and let everybody know also if they're interested in collaborating with you. That's because there's so many developers that are just in our homes. I mean, we hear all the time now about studios that are consistent of, what, one, two, three people that are doing it in their homes, their garages, whatnot. What do you say to those people about possibly looking at you as a possible alternative and an avenue for them to go ahead and release their game? Yeah, you know, I think uh, 20 or 30% of our customers and followers are other game devs. So I, I love helping and contributing to the community. Quite a bit of our, our team is built up of long-time indies that have that exper expertise. And we're always, always looking for other talented people that love and share the same interest in retro to come in and chat. Let's, uh, maybe there's a way for you to join the team and uh, maybe there's a way for us to help guide you on how to limit the number of times you trip with uh, releasing and finishing your own games. Well, it's awesome to hear. Just hopefully that will give a chance out there to a lot of great developers in the future going forward that Mega Cat Studios will want to go ahead and 
be a part of their visions, so to speak, as the games, because gaming right now, especially retro gaming and gaming as a whole here in 2020, yes, I understand it's under the not of the best conditions right now with the with the pandemic, but more people are playing games in their homes more than ever, and they're obviously enjoying great things like the, the games and titles that Mega Cat Studios has to offer. I'll tell you what, James, it's just been great talking today on this. I cannot thank you enough for taking some time to speak to me. Once again, I'm speaking to James Deacon from Mega Cat Studios. you got to check out all the great games, including the games that just came out, like Gloof, Arcadius Revolution, and also as well, Yazzy for the Sega Genesis and the... Yeah, that's right, I said Sega Genesis out there. The Sega Genesis and the Mega Drive. Plus, they've got Bite the Bullet on the way as well. And for more information on that, you just head out to what I've been showing everybody on the screen right here on Facebook Live and YouTube, megacatstudios.com. Well, James, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to speak to me, but any last thoughts on the way out? Well, I appreciate you having us on, and I'd love to continue all the fun retro conversation, either in our Discord or in our newsletter. Uh, depends on how how engaged you want to be, but we're willing to share our fun with everyone that wants to get involved. Well, it's awesome. Definitely want to be part of that conversation. Looking forward to hearing more great stuff from you guys. And you guys are always welcome back at Mega Cat Studios to be a part of us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis and we're back to close out the show this is pc multiverse josh i want to go ahead and ask you i think you had just broken this while we're on the air that disney has just pushed their films back a year can you go ahead and explain because i'm trying to look up the story now i've been blabbing so much i haven't had a chance to look up the story okay so this Disney delayed Mulan indefinitely. Star Wars and Avatar movies have been pushed back a year. So Mulan is no longer being released on August 21st. It's now unset on the Disney calendar. All the dated Star Wars films and Avatar sequels have been pushed back one whole year on the calendar. And the company is saying that theater closures and production shutdowns during the global coronavirus pandemic caused it to make a number of adjustments to its slate. And this comes from uh, CNBC about 20 minutes ago. Okay, because I'm looking at it now on The Hollywood Reporter. Check that out. Again, CNBC, Hollywood Reporter have the story right now that Disney is making some major, major changes. But yes, that's the Star Wars and Avatar films are being pushed back a year. Mulan actually unscheduled it, similar to what Tenet's been doing. We're going to talk about Tenet here in a sec. But yes, my friend, this just goes to show you about all the different kinds of changes these studios are making when it comes to all the different kinds of movies that are out there. I mean, unscheduling Mulan. We don't know the status of what's going on with Black Widow other than it's still, as of this point in time, is going to be appearing in theaters in November. But even that's up for debate. I mean, does this surprise you or is this something that we're going to be seeing more of from Disney and major studios going forward? Oh, it'll be something we see a lot more of. You know, we talked about this a while back is the fact that we don't know when 
this is all going to stop. You know, we don't know when COVID is going to not be a thing anymore. And like wherever you stand on the background issues of COVID, it's just it is affecting the economy. And it, it's like it's one of those things where like nothing is set in stone. You can't set anything in stone with movie releases. And so that brings me to the next, you know, my next question or thought here is that how long can these companies delay putting these movies out before they start to lose money on them? Well, it's just very sad to see that that's the case. But for a lot of these studios, it's the right financial move, my friend. It's just the what you're going to have to do. I mean, uh, people just say, just throw it on VOD. Again, it comes to the point where you cannot throw a lot of these films on VOD because of the sheer amount of dollars that will be lost if you do. So if you're expecting a big return on some of these movies, you're not going to make it up. I mean, you'll make a fraction of it back by sending it to VOD, but that's the problem. You'll be making only a fraction of it. So you're gambling on hopefully some type of immunity coming as far as the coronavirus is concerned in the next 12 months that will hopefully necessitate everybody going back out again and and theaters reopening up and things of that nature. So I think that's what Disney and other major studios are counting on, and that's why they're delaying or unscheduling, as I guess now it's called, unscheduling a lot of these movies to a undefined point in time because they, they really feel that these big budget showcases shouldn't just go direct on VOD because of the fact that they still feel that they can earn quite a bit of money whenever North American theaters open up. Yeah, so I mean, I don't know what's going on in other countries right now, like if they're planning on opening theaters, if these movies are going to be able to play. I'm trying to understand the economics of it, but it feels like at some point you're going to have to put this movie out, whether it's in theaters or on demand. It just it feels like there's a chance that you will start losing money on it because even when theaters open, there's no guarantee that people are going to go to them. So we'll wait and see what's going on with that. But again, it's going to be this continual musical chairs for the movie studios with their major releases. We could see some movies being just transferred to VOD. Wanted to talk real quick about Tenant. Like you said, in the U.S., it has been unscheduled, just taken off the schedule entirely, but it will still be released in the not-too-distant future around the seas based on the individual country's stature on where it is for coronavirus and if they have open theaters or not bill and ted 3 that is going to be released limited theaters here in the u.s and around the world but also is going to go at the same time concurrently to vod but whatever numbers it does on vod and i have a feeling it's going to beat whatever scoop or trolls world tour did i have a feeling it will beat both of those movies but even if that's the case, it's still going to be, again, a fraction of what I think it would have done had it been given a normal or under normal circumstances a theatrical release. So I think there's going to be some biting of the bullet there just because of the fact you can never recoup all the money that you're going to lose because you didn't have a full theatrical release. Yeah, but we're also going to have to redefine what normal is when theaters open back up because, again, we don't know if people are going to be willing to risk going to the theaters, what that landscape is going to look like. I think it's going to be a long time until movies and the act of going to the movies looks anything like it did last year. I agree with you, my friend. It's going to be a very different changing climate, and it's changing all the time. 
with Disney announcing pushing back the Star Wars and Avatar films and unscheduling Mulan. And if you've got a film that you're really looking forward to out there, you might want to keep up to date with us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos on social media because we'll go ahead and just let you know what's going on in the world of movies. What are your thoughts out there on the continual musical chairs that the movie industry is doing with its high-profile releases? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com, also as well, popculturecosmos, humanity media, and game source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And also, we're on TikTok, popculturecosmos as well. But any last thoughts on the way out? We still need to have that Westworld conversation. I finished the season last night, and I don't care to watch any more of it. So I I need to get your thoughts on this. I'll share my thoughts with you whenever you're ready, my friend, right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Also want to give a big thank you to James Deegan from Mega Cat Studios. Check out what they're doing today at megacatstudios.com. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day of paradise right here in the P. C. C. Multiverse. Thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. What will you do when your child asks? What were Saturday morning cartoons? What were Saturday morning cartoons? What's wrong with you? Or will you handle it the right way? Sit down, baby girl. Let me introduce you to my friend, Mark McRae. Join Dan Clink and I on the Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast as we take a unique behind-the-scenes look at the history and dynamics of animation with plenty of laughs along the way. The Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast is a proud member of the ESO Network. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.